Hello, welcome to Sam Foreign Cut, a show where we explore cutting edge developer tools and meet people behind them. My name is Darko, I'm co-founder of Sanfor and your host today. Today with me is Peter. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. Please go ahead and introduce yourself. Thanks Darko for letting me be here. My name is Peter Steinberger. I'm the founder and CEO of a company called PSPDF Kit. I'm a long-term iOS developer and over the years migrated to like being the CEO and doing more business yeah. and less coding. And I'm located in Vienna, Austria. Great, great. So maybe you can tell us a bit, uh, you know, about that migration path, to call it that way, <laughs> from developer <laughs> to the CEO and all that comes in with, you know, starting a company and uh, creating a product and so on. So I started the whole company in 2010. For that, I also need to explain a little bit what the product is. So what we do, like the short pitch is, you have an iPhone or you have an Android, you open the Dropbox app, you click on a file, and you see the document or the image or the office document and that's us like the whole ui to like present the document and like allow people to search select text like this is all our ui and we provide that as an sdk to other companies so it's not just dropbox it's also when you fly with lufthansa they have an ipad in the cockpit our software runs on it and it's like uh, ibm is a customer like a lot of large companies but also a lot mm -hmm. of small ones my background is iOS, so we started as an iOS product, and over the years we expanded to Android, web, Windows, even macOS. So now we're basically on all platforms because we support Electron. We're actually on all platforms, including Linux. Yeah. But uh, that's not the most purchased product. <laughs> the whole thing was actually an experiment. So my background is that I did freelancing and I was at my first WWDC, the Apple conference, which is finally coming yeah. up next week. So my flight is on Sunday. And I was there talking to a few people at a party at 2 a.m., almost 2 a.m., because like clubs close <laughs> at 2. And someone introduced me to someone as like what I do, and I'm like a pretty good iOS developer, yeah. blah, blah, blah. They told me to like, oh, yeah, I should like come by your office tomorrow. And this casual come by was actually an eight-hour interview mm -hmm. marathon where I got a job offer to like work in San Francisco on a pretty popular startup back in the day. I had to move over there, right? I was just a small freelancer. This was the opportunity of a lifetime. Yeah. So <laughs> it wasn't a long thought process to accept it. And then we thought, oh, we will figure out the visa stuff. We figured out the visa stuff. It just took a little longer <laughs> than expected. I think we, we thought, oh, two, yeah. three months. It ultimately took nine months. In that time, I did stop all my freelance work because I can't really work on longer projects when I'm moving to San Francisco any yeah. day now, right? And there, a friend asked me if he could also have this PDF engine that I built for a client of mine. And I did that, I refactored it, I sold it to him, and then I figured, well, if he has this requirement, maybe other people have that too. I tried to do the absolute minimum possible. I mutilated the WordPress template to become a website, a static one hosted on GitHub. I looked for a payment processor and I just asked Twitter. A few people said the same thing, so I chose one. I put it online and I also put up a tweet and I had like a pretty decent network back then already and people bought it. I think I sold two copies in the first week, so I was really hooked. This was like, okay, there's actual demand, this is fun. I already made money and of course, 
two people bought it, but I think like, or like five more people were interested, but it misses this feature and this feature and this feature and this feature. I didn't have anything else to do, so I just kept working on it and like slowly discovered what a clusterfuck PDF <laughs> actually is. But it was too late um, by then. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised how difficult search can be. And there's like many thousands of pages of documentation and like multiple mappings that are really hard to understand to actually get Unicode out of it because this predates Unicode. Yeah. So they used all kinds of tricks to embed glyphs, not necessarily optimized for you to get the data out again. By the time I moved to San Francisco, my little project, my little experiment already made almost the same money that I made at the job there. I was giving up my life here. I was selling everything. I was moving over. I was really excited to be in San Francisco. Like it's an amazing city with like so many awesome people. But at the same time, like I had this little thing that exploded and was really interesting. So I tried to just do both. Okay. (laughs) So you can imagine how that happened. Because a startup is not eight hours of work. It's a little more than eight hours usually. Yeah. So I did that during the day. I did my thing at night and on weekends. And that worked for a few months, more or less, until my manager actually was very lucky. She is an amazing manager. Uh, shout out to Sabine if she sees that. And she came to me like one day and she looked at me and said, Peter, is everything okay? <laughs> yeah. You don't look so good. <laughs> there was like a slight lack of sleep because trying to do both really was like eating in on yeah. my health. I, um, imagine, yeah. I told the whole story and they were very understanding. Basically told me what I knew, but I didn't want to like accept it that I can't do both. Obviously, yeah. it's impossible to do both. It's already a challenge to do one of those two things. So they gave me a week off to like think about it, decide like what's, what's more important, what do I actually want to do. And I honestly didn't even need the whole week. I already knew that I wanted to work on my company. But then I understood that it's actually a company now. And that meant that I had to leave the US within a week because mm-hmm. the visa rules are quite tight. Either you're with us or you so are I, not with us. <laughs> yeah. This wasn't within that company's control. They were actually really nice. But if I don't work anymore, then I have to leave the country. So I just manically tried to sell the few things that I managed <laughs> to buy which was like a bed, a couch, and a TV. <laughs> and then I moved back to Austria and then I immediately started to like fully work on the product, basically filling all the remaining hours to like work even more in it and then also slowly working with more people and then step by step becoming to the place where I'm now, where we are a 40-person company, fully distributed and working on a lot of products. Yeah, it's amazing to hear that in a couple of months after you launched it, you immediately kind of, you get self-sufficient in a way, financially. Were there any like turning points along? I mean, it's almost a 10-year period and it's fully bootstrapped, as I understand, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there was actually, there was a big turning point and that was, I think, 2014. Mm I was quite slow in in getting help, like getting more people on it and then like just having freelancers for like a little Mm -hmm. bit of time. And there was this point where I had to decide, okay, do I see this as a just iOS, like keep small, like basically what interested me the most, just like keep coding and I'm trying to like make some money or do I want to become bigger? Do we go multi-platform? Do we make this a serious competitor, a serious company? I kind of knew that if we just 
stay on iOS, then we would eventually fall into insignificance. Because in 2010, you could still be successful with a product that's just on iOS, but in 2019, you cannot. Android like had this big increase and you just can't ignore it anymore. It might start as something that you could love it, but now it's a serious operating system and it's what most of the world runs on. So this was around the time where I started, now we have to go big. And I actually brought people into the company also like to get me some help on the finance side and the business side on uh, web and backend, like all these things that I was an expert in. And then this is basically the birth of version 2.0 of the mm -hmm. company. And then we had like a strong hiring phase where we really brought on a lot of people and really started to building out all those other products. And that was quite a turning point. Also from the business model, mm -hmm. we used to sell it like the traditional software model. You buy software and then you get a few months of updates and then maybe at some point you buy another mm -hmm. version of it. This was suboptimal in a few ways because do you give updates until the next major version? Do you have a fixed number of months? That is already is troubled. And what if people report bugs and then their support runs out? Do you give them a grace period? It also was really hard to actually hire people if you don't know how much income you get each month. You know, like all these SaaS yeah. businesses, they have recurring income. So the first big change we did is that we actually switched to a subscription model as well. Because if you use our product, you integrate it in your app, you will need continuous support. And there are so many crazy documents out there that eventually you'll find something that doesn't yeah. work or you will have new needs or Apple releases iOS 13 and the old version just doesn't work anymore, which isn't even our fault. It's just because they changed something and we need to adapt. So I was quite skeptical, but Jonathan, one of the people who I brought on was like, no, we have to do this. This is important and trust me. And I did and it worked out really, really well for us. And there was like almost no backslash, you know, like a bit of backslash from the consumer side that especially on apps, they really don't like subscriptions, but businesses, many actually sure. like the change because it suddenly means they could calculate what the costs are each year. It was not like, okay, we buy it, but then if you buy it in a year, price might be twice as much or we don't know. So it also like increased trust with our business relationships and really helped us to grow the business. Yeah. Most of the people are running some kind of SaaS and you are actually selling software of a different format, library to say, or framework, which yeah. is maybe not that common. Most is like SaaS, SaaS, SaaS. It's different and also the cycle is much longer. Typically, if you are a SaaS company, you test the service, you like the service, you purchase it. But our model is you like the SDK, you try it out. You might take six months to integrate it into your app. I mean, it takes five minutes, but you might just not be ready to integrate it in your app. So you start talking, then you try it for half a year. You already use our support. And then eventually we come to an agreement. You're committed to it. We go through the whole contractual phase and then lawyers come in. And then it also might take a few months. And then we close it. And then large companies, they don't manage to pay in 30 days. So it might also take six months. So the whole cycle can take like more than a year from people trying it out to be actually getting money. So you really have to have a long breath in this business. But luckily we managed and now we are at the point where it's not a problem anymore. It's just something you have to get used to. Yeah, well, there is another part to this story, which is that, you know, they cannot leave that easily also <laughs> once it's integrated. I'm not saying that it's good as a business practice to keep someone who is dissatisfied because you put your claws into their meat, but it's also like about switching. I mean, if you onboard in five minutes, you can onboard competitor in five minutes also. 
it's just the other side of the coin. But I completely understand that sales process, which wants to take, you know, a year and a half, <laughs> is not something that you always enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> then, yeah, I guess it's just the nature of our business. Yeah, you have to embrace it. Yeah. Okay, I have a bit of a technical question. I was in elementary school, you know, many years before that uh, PDF existed. And I remember that, you know, very old Acrobat Reader thing and all that. Yeah. So it's like super old format, which is still alive today. And it seems that it's not going anywhere anytime soon. I discovered some things that are possible with PDF maybe a couple of years ago, like signatures, filling out some data and, you know, more and more things are popping up. So from very that, you know, geeky developer technical standpoint of industry standard, how is that evolution of such a complex file format going? And what's the experience of following it? You're right that PDF is old. And it's also not going away. It's pretty much the only format where you can make sure that whatever you convert, like you convert it from some kind of document and then it'll look exactly like that. This is the big yeah. benefit. You have a Word file and it will mostly look the same, but you open it in LibreOffice or in OpenOffice and like it has 100 pages and page one might not fully fit on page one. Yeah. And then the error accumulates and by page 100, everything's a mess. Websites mostly look the same, but browsers evolve, yeah. change, so evolve. So eventually it'll not look the same anymore. And so that's a big benefit. You can have a contract and you can make sure that when you refer to page seven, that the content on page seven actually is on page seven, because it could be very expensive if you refer to something <laughs> on actually page yeah. eight. The whole business runs on PDF, but there's no competitor. Microsoft tried XPS, I think, but it never had like this critical mass. And every platform, every mobile device can read PDFs. So it is just really ubiquitous. And then over the years, they just kept adding things. So we built a calculator, which is a PDF. We just made it look like the calculator on an iPhone because PDF also can run JavaScript. Of course, it's not the same JavaScript as in the browser. It's similar, but not the same. Yeah. With all kinds of custom extensions to make it really fun for us. And the spec alone is around 1,000 pages. But in principle, it's Turing complete, so you can do anything. You could make a PDF which runs Windows 95 if you really hate yeah. yourself. That's on my bucket list. <laughs> and before that, we did calculator.pdf. That's actually something that's really useful because, you know, you have those government forms and you have to fill in your social security number. And sometimes they use JavaScript to validate the input. So you can like really validate any input, even emails, sure. something that wasn't so popular 30 years ago when they created the format. So there actually is a reason. Some people just go a little beyond that. And we wanted to show that our engine can like even deal with crazy things. So we, we made a calculator. Yeah. So if I would open that PDF on my Red Hat 1998 installation, <laughs> uh, would I be able to see something? 1998 might be a little okay. tough, but... <laughs> Six or seven years ago, it still worked. We're not using super new features. By now, there is the PDF tools, but nobody actually uses that. They actually removed a few things, but then they added even more things. <laughs> so by now, we have two different standards, and actually three different standards for 3D in PDF. There's also video in PDF, audio in PDF. You can also put a PDF in a PDF, because why not? So yeah, like if it's from a few years ago, it should work. There's not that much software who goes to that length. So if you look into third-party software, it will be quite difficult to find something. Apple has Preview, which is pretty good on PDF, but it can't do JavaScript. You can press the buttons, but nothing yeah. will happen. But it will still look the same. It will still look exactly like it should look. 
that's a big thing. I can imagine that vendors are not too crazy about putting a JavaScript engine everywhere they have to show something. We made sure that this is something you can disable in our software. It is enabled by default because we want to choose the sensible thing, just making sure that as much PDF work as possible, whenever you have like patent security issues, you can always disable that. Mm-hmm. But not many people actually know that you can have JavaScript in a PDF. So Yeah, yeah. I, I did not. <laughs> I also did not when I started. I did not quite know what I was getting into. Maybe I would have chosen a different career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember at university we had, you know, some of those tasks when you take some format which is defined in, you know, uh, 1981 and then you have to read the spec. <laughs> so I, I guess that the spec of PDF is a quite long file. <laughs> yeah. And the problem is the format is more like HTML. Even if you remove a few things, it'll still work. So you have the spec, but then you have the, oh, what's Acrobat actually doing? And then you have the, oh, this is completely broken. Let's try something. And then make sure that try something is kind of like compatible with what the majority of apps does. Because in the end, people don't care if their PDF is broken or not. They probably got it from somewhere. They just want to read it. Our mission is that the software shouldn't complain, it should just read it. And we also try to repair it automatically, which also is interesting because we repaired a document which was in a pretty bad state, but it could still be read. But then we saved it and it, it was like less broken, but it was in a different way broken, which caused other readers to like no longer accept it. So like people blamed us for breaking the PDF and actually we repaired like eight of 10 things, but then not two things, which ultimately cost incompatibility with other readers. So you always have a lot of fun, even if you try to do the right thing. Yeah. To be honest, I'm a bit afraid of that. <laughs> That's why it's a good business because nobody wants to work with PDF. <laughs> From the perspective of like supporting developers and working with developers, providing documentation and so on, do you have a dedicated team which is like supporting people and writing documentation or how that process is done? So we have this mission in our company that every developer should also write documentation and to mm-hmm. support because it ultimately makes you a better engineer. If you write a feature, then you are the best person to document that feature. Of course, we have like people that help people that provide a copy mm-hmm. editing because not every person in our company has English as his first language. And then we also make our engineers work on support. So it's kind of like weekly shifts, but that's the best way to like understand the crimes yes. you did. You design an API and then you actually get feedback from other engineers that don't understand your API or like ask questions that make you learn, all oh, right, actually maybe not all the decisions were the best decisions. So. Of course, this is not always fun, but it ultimately is like an amazing learning process for you to become a better engineer. Yeah. Um, so yeah, defining APIs yeah, that you can change that easily yeah. is another level of responsibility. Of course, we have a process like a new APIs peer reviewed, so we find a lot of problems before we ship mm-hmm. them, but. We're not perfect, so sometimes you just don't consider things that people want to do with your API that you just never thought of and that, of course, break and you just have to try to fix it. Honestly, this is one of the most challenging and fun things when building this product. Yeah. Okay. You mentioned that iOS is how you started your career as a developer, and I think maybe before the call or in the call, you mentioned that this is the 10th time that you are you know, visiting the developer conference that Apple is organizing. Maybe just before that, to make like uh, one thing uh, sure that I understand. So PDF is the main thing that you are supporting, but there are other formats also that your framework is supporting, right? 
We're focusing on PDF mm -hmm. and images. We actually found a way to treat images like PDF. You can annotate mm -hmm. them and then you can open it and then move those things around and we make sure that the pixels below the arrow is still mm -hmm. there. So it's like non-destructive, but the main focus is PDF. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Okay, so moving to the conference. So it's happening soon. So predictions in this area are always, you know, the internet is burning you know, in terms of what will happen and if what they want will get launched. What are you excited about? And yeah, what are some predictions that you have? I'm excited about seeing all my friends again, that over the years, you just get to know more and more people. I've been there quite a few times. Every time since 2010, except 2013, where I just went to Tenerife for holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Which was not such um, a bad decision. <laughs> but honestly, it's a very exciting conference. It's pretty much the Apple event of the year. Like they will announce the new iOS 13, the new macOS. The latest rumor that it might be called macOS Mammoths. Mm -hmm. You know, like the elephant-like yeah. animal. And of course, new versions of tvOS and macOS. There won't be any hardware. That was a long time ago since Apple announced hardware. It's really a software-focused conference. They actually announced the new MacBooks a week before, right? And the iPhone is more like a September event, so this would really be just about software. And when you look at what was happening last year, Apple got a lot of bad press with iOS 11 that software gets slower, there's like so many bugs, like Apple just pushes new features and they don't take the time to fix their things. So they actually fix their things. Performance update and bug fixes, you know, the change like that everyone loves. Yeah. But there was really almost nothing new. I know a lot of people that were working on features, like they were already working a year ago on features that didn't ship in iOS 12. So basically what we get this year is two years worth of features. Oh. Because we had this bug fix release, which I think was really important for the Apple ecosystem and it really made the software better. But now it's time again to like, level up on features so we will see a lot of new things this year there's like actually quite extensive rumors i guess most of the things that we'll see next week are already on the internet the most visible thing will be that iphones get system-wide dark mode of course android was the first <laughs> and we got system-wide dark mode on macOS as well so it really makes sense to also bring it to ios which also means all the apps need to be updated because a lot of them already have their own dark mode but then it might not fit in the what Apple expects things to look like. And you also have to find a way to dynamically switch because this will be something that you can access from the lock screen. And I expect that it will also be something that the system automatically switches to, like sun goes down, okay, we switch to dark mode. So a lot of developers will be busy just making sure everything looks good. And getting dark mode right is actually, depending on the app, quite a bit of work. Then one cool feature I'm actually excited about is okay. iPad. Okay and they will introduce a feature that will allow you to like have iPad as a second screen. So I could then, I don't know, have my notes on this iPad, just drag it over from the Mac and use it as a screen. There's software where you can do this now. It works actually not that bad. Do it. And there's a second one, which name I forgot. But of course, this is a very system level feature. So if Apple builds it, they will be able to have faster access to the graphics push pixels over faster, like have better auto discovery. So this is something that is quite hard to build for external companies and Apple will just be able to build something that's superior to everything there is. The most exciting thing is something we already got a lot of rumors and I already had a lot of fun debugging and like hacking into it, is Marzipan. Uh, and I'm sure you heard about it as uh. well. Apple brings UI widgets that make iPhone and iPad apps possible to the Mac. There is no native Netflix app, for example, on the Mac. 
with Marzipan, the idea is that you take the existing Netflix app that Netflix already built for iPad and iPhone, and you just select a different target, and then it will work on the Mac without any modifications. Will it? Um, terms and conditions may apply. I did play with it, and it's actually surprisingly good. The Marzipan, as it is in 10.14, is quite a hack. I was basically able to port our app, PDF Viewer, which is quite a complex app. Well, show PDF, annotate them, like the whole SDK and the file management to macOS. Well, I didn't sleep so much in that time, but I managed to do it in a weekend, which says the technology, even in this early state, was already quite advanced and Apple had a full year to make it even better. So yes, I think it will be possible to do it with very few modifications. You probably want to do modifications to make it more Mac-like, improve keyboard support at the menu, like at an actual toolbar, you know, like those little things that make apps actually more usable. But I expect that in autumn, there will be a ton of new apps for the Mac, just because it was for many companies not cost effective to build an, a separate version based on AppKit that might take you two years to build and to be really good just for the Mac because the user base is quite smaller compared to Windows. But now if you can do it in a week or in two weeks and also improvements go into both products, that's a whole different equation. And also it's the hot new thing that Apple wants. So if you are fast, Apple will feature you. So there will be a run. We also like part of this run and we will bring PDF viewer to the Mac. So I'm quite excited about that one. That's great. That's great. Even though some layer of UI needs some tweaks, there is still you know, a large chunk of software which will just work. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I use Mac for a lot of years as an iPhone, but I'm not in the developer world for this platform. So that's a great business move to extend the Mac OS. There was a lot of discussion around it and also a lot of hate, especially those older Mac people. They were like, oh, this new thing will never work as good. Apple is destroying the Mac. This is a single window iOS style apps. They're all shit. Like, this is not something that's professional. But we'll see. We'll see. I'm sure that Apple has some ideas to solve this. And I think what apps are will just evolve. But that doesn't mean it will be yeah. bad. Okay, that was very interesting learning about all these things and about your journey as developer of the company. Thank you. Is there maybe something that I haven't asked, but you think that it's uh, interesting to share either about the company or something about the future? If you watch the keynote, don't just watch it, watch it with Twitter and just follow a few of those Mac people. Like this is for me always the most fun, just like seeing what Apple says and then all yeah. the commentary live, what people say, and then there's like complaining and bitching and like background information. And it's stressful because you kind of have to see, okay, what's Apple saying? And I'm also trying to read the whole feed, but I'm always having a lot of fun trying to do both and also like participating in the commentary. And now like watching any Apple event without Twitter is just yeah. boring. If you watch the next one, I definitely commend just Maybe just search for the hashtag and then pick a few people that you like, because if you actually just follow the hashtag, it'll be way too much information. This is a quite a different viewing experience. Yeah, you like uh, it. I like the idea very much. I mean, in my head, while you were speaking about this, I imagined a pub with football fans. <laughs> Sometimes it could also be like an angry yes, mob. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, they still haven't fixed the keyboard. And now they're announcing new things. Yeah, yeah. What is Apple doing? There's always a lot of pitching. And then... 
Like it's always the case that there's a lot of bitching and then everybody's buying all the Apple products, including me. Like I complain a lot and then I spend thousands of euros to buy everything that Apple produces. Also like we build software for Apple, so we have to buy Apple products. And comparably, I also know the ecosystems of like Windows and Android and all the problems there. Since I know that, I'm less complaining about Apple, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you again for your time. It was super exciting to talk about everything. Uh, good luck uh, with your company, launching new things. And yeah, have fun at developer event. You're welcome, Darkus. Thank you for having me and have a good evening. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.